Hi, this is Yitz Greenberg, and I'm here to read to you the Dvar Torah for Parshat Bo. The title and the theme, the Hebrew calendar is the first commandment. Parshat Bo contains the first commandment given to the entire Jewish people as a unit. There were earlier commandments, such as Abraham, who was commanded to circumcise himself and his sons, see Genesis 17.10, the Torah tells us that after Jacob was wounded in his thigh, the custom was adopted by the children of Israel not to eat the sinew of the thigh of kosher animals, Genesis thirty-two thirty-two. But this is the first given to the whole Jewish people. This commandment foreshadows the full Jewish religion where every aspect of life is guided by Torah and commandments in a covenantal partnership with God. But which is the first commandment? If one reads the Torah in its plain meaning, the first instruction to the Israelites is in the third verse of chapter 12, namely to set aside a one-year-old lamb on the tenth day of Nisan, Exodus 12, verse 3, and slaughter it on the fourteenth. The meat, roasted and eaten together with matzot and bitter herbs, was to be consumed in a family meal and in preparation for the exodus from Egypt. This sacrificial meal became an annual observance, a recollection and celebration of the Exodus through the generations. See Exodus 12, verses 6 through 11. However, according to the Oral Torah, the rabbinic tradition of interpretation, which our rabbis teach is revealed at Sinai alongside with the written scriptures, the first commandment is found in the second verse of the chapter. Quote, this month is the beginning of all the months. The first month of the months of the year. That's Exodus 12, 2. Let me point out that the first half of the verse, this month is the beginning of all the months, constitutes setting Nisan, the month of Exodus, as the new new year going forward. That is another way of saying that the Exodus is a revolutionary development by which people will measure time in a new way. Compare that during the French Revolution, the Revolutionary Convention established a new calendar to replace the Gregorian calendar. And September 22, 1792, the day when the National Convention proclaimed France as a republic, was declared day one of year one in the new calendar. The second half of the verse, the first month of the months of the year, is an instruction that the people of Israel observe their holidays henceforth in accordance with the starting date of the new month. The primary rabbinic court of the Jewish people, such as the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court in ancient Jerusalem, decides and declares the day on which the month begins. This is an essential function because the Hebrew calendar month is a lunar month. The moon circles planet Earth and completes a phase cycle from new moon to new moon in 29 and a half days. Typically, this new month is determined by alternating the start of the new month on the 29th day and alternately on the 30th day. This keeps the calendar in sync with the lunar phase cycle. The instruction serves more than a functional purpose. The holidays are holy days. Behaviors on these days are markedly different than regular days. 
On the 15th day of Nisan, bread, which is eaten all year long, becomes absolutely prohibited and remains that way for seven days, eight days in diaspora. Matzah, a standard food year-round, becomes sacred and elevated to a mitzvah. Work, which is permitted every weekday, is not to be done on the 15th and 21st of Nisan. And on the 10th day of Tishrei, a.k.a. Yom Kippur, life actions such as eating, drinking, washing, sexual activity, which are celebrated and blessed all year long, are prohibited for 24 hours. So by moving up the first of the month by a day, or delaying it for a day, the court is turning a, quote, normal day into a holy day, and vice versa. So what makes a day holy? Who creates an obligation to say prayers on a certain day, or march around with a lulav and etrog, or stay up all night studying Torah? You might think that the answer is, God imbues each holy day with a special texture, since after all, God's commandments determine the special behaviors which observant Jews follow. But the rabbi's answer is no. Judaism is a covenant partnership in which the human partner plays a central, even authoritative role. It is the earthly court which decides that Yom Kippur will occur on Tuesday, not Wednesday, thereby endowing the tenth day of Tishrei with sacred character, requiring life-altering behaviors and extended prayers. Their decision creates the 24 hours of special chosenness closeness to God, when the Shekhinah is nigh and receptive to human repentance and piety. Or as the Talmud says, seek God when God is found, call out to him when he is near, Isaiah 55 verse 6. These are the 10 days of repentance from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, which you will find in the Talmud Rosh Hashanah 18a. I should add that the mitzvah of calendar setting reflects the rabbi's interpretation of the unfolding covenant of Israel. The rabbis teach that in their times, God self-limited further and called the people of Israel to a higher level of partnership and authority than in the Bible. This thesis is spelled out in detail in my book, The Triumph of Life, which is forthcoming. Quote, Rabbi Judah said, These are the festivals of the Lord, which you shall proclaim. Leviticus 23:37. God said, Before Israel became my people, the festivals were the festivals of the Lord. But henceforth, the festivals are those which you shall proclaim. Deuteronomy Rabbah, chapter 2, paragraph 14. Cited in Joseph B. Soloveitchik's Halachic Man, page 81. According to Soloveitchik, the shift is articulated in the Halacha. The Shabbat grows out of the cosmic process of creation long before humanity or the Jewish people came into existence. Therefore, Shabbat comes every seventh day without any rabbinic court designation. In the Kiddush and other prayers, we thank and bless God Quote, who sanctified the Shabbat. The holidays, however, grow out of Jewish history, Exodus, Sinai, Desert Journey, etc. Their actual date of occurrence is set by rabbinic court action. In the Kiddush and liturgy, therefore, 
we thank and bless God, quote, who sanctifies Israel, and in turn, they sanctify the festivals, close quote. In another Mishnah, Midrash, on the verse in our Parsha, the rabbis say, quote, this month shall be unto you, then God would watch over everything. When Israel came of age, he handed over everything to them. Exodus Rabbah, chapter 15, paragraph 30, cited in Salvechik Halachic Man, page 81. Rabbi Salvechik stresses that this commandment represents God handing over final authority in all halachic matters to the earthly court. The earthly court decrees, and the Holy One, blessed be He, complies. Ibid, page 81. Salavechik says that this means that halachic men, and let me underscore this, receive the Torah from Sinai, not as a simple recipient, but as a creator of worlds, as a partner with the Almighty in the act of creation. Ibid, pages 81, 82. In my view, the concept of partnership provides the authorization for our Jewish community and its spiritual leadership to uplift the Torah in our day. This includes incorporating leadership of people hitherto excluded, expanding halakha to include positively the previously marginalized, and creating holy days marking our era's historical events, such as the Holocaust and the creation of the State of Israel. There is another fundamental teaching embedded in the Hebrew calendar, as defined by the rabbis. When the lunar calendar was widespread, we know that various other calendars were circulating in the Jewish community. The Book of Jubilees, an influential religious text, dated in the first century BCE, but believed to contain earlier material. The Book of Jubilees was not incorporated in the Bible, but was influential in its time. It is found among the Dead Sea Scrolls, and was referred to by influential early Christians. The Book of Jubilees is based on a solar calendar. Likewise, the Greeks and the Romans used the solar calendar. For the rabbis, choosing a solar calendar would have coincided with the general culture's calendar, and kept the holidays in their season. A straight lunar calendar, on the other hand, was another choice. However, a lunar year is about 11 days shorter than a solar year, and therefore the months and dates of holidays migrate through the year. The rabbis ruled for a modified lunar calendar so as to preserve the seasonal nature of the holidays. Shavuot is in the summer harvest season. Sukkot is in the fall harvest season. They also cited, quote, keep the month of Aviv, that's the early name for the month of Nisan, because the month of Aviv, God took you out of Egypt. And Aviv, of course, it also means the spring. The rabbis opted for a lunisolar calendar, a lunar month's calendar combined with a solar year calendar. Of course, this is accomplished by uh, intercalating the extra month, Adar second, in seven out of every 19 years. Choosing a pure solar calendar would put the Hebrew calendar in lockstep with the general culture, but would marginalize the particularist and separate elements in Jewish tradition. These are the elements which motivate Jews to remain a distinctive people, even in the midst of a welcoming general culture. Choosing a pure lunar calendar would represent cutting the Hebrew calendar off from the general culture's calendar 
and going into a, a kind of a time ghetto. By shaping, by shaping a loony solar calendar, the rabbis assured that Judaism would follow its own path, with holidays not coming out of the same solar date every year. At the same time, by intercalating months, the sacred days would reconnect and interact with the general calendar. In the past two millennia of Jewish history, the Jews as a minority lived primarily among Christians and Muslims. Had the Jewish calendar been solar, they would have been completely at home with Christian time and strongly separated from the Muslim calendar. Had the Hebrew calendar been a purely lunar calendar, the Jews would have been completely at home with Islamic time and strongly separated from the Christian calendar. By choosing a lunisolar calendar, the rabbis signaled that Jewish religion should be dialectically related to its host cultures. Judaism should maintain its grand vision and not go into a cultural ghetto that would drift toward becoming a tribal, self-centered faith. Judaism should maintain its universal involvement, but not give up its particularist values and way of life. The dialectical way is more challenging to live by. However, it enables a constantly renewing culture faith in which nothing human is alien to it. At the same time, it upholds the uniqueness of Judaism and the diversity of humankind's many tribes.